Hey, y'all. So glad to have you here once again. My name is Sandy. And of course, I'll be your host as always. I feel like we should be acquainted by now. So thank you guys for tuning in again. And last week, we talked about how to study the Bible. We learned about the reasons why people don't study. I introduced the subject of hermeneutics. We went over some different Bible study methods and tools that you can use to enhance your personal study time. But like I said last week, Bible study does not end at just gaining knowledge. If you truly want to see the power of God's word work in your life, you have to allow what you learn to actually move beyond those pages of the Bible and do the word of God in your daily life. So it's like going to law school or medical school and then you get your first job after you graduate. But when you start the job, you don't actually put what you learned into practice, right? So the point of you taking in all the information you learned over the years of being in school was to actually put it into practice. And so that's the same thing with Bible study. So on this podcast episode, we'll be talking about spiritual growth, what it looks like to actually apply the word of God in your life. So like always, lean in and I hope you enjoy the episode. What is spiritual growth? So are all believers at some point in their walk with God, you have to consider if you're truly maturing in your faith. Spiritual growth is the maturity believers experience as they grow in their intimacy with God, learn about the Christian faith and learn how to live according to his word through obedience. The process of growth is lifelong and the Holy Spirit plays a major role in enabling us to live a life that is pleasing to God and brings him glory. However, growth is a choice. Each of us has to decide whether we want to truly experience the fullness of what God has for us and who he has called us to be. It's not something that occurs by happenstance. For example, when considering physical growth, an infant does not grow to be an adult overnight, right? There are intentional physiological processes that have to take place over time within our bodies so that infants can mature into adulthood. And spiritual growth works in the same way, right? It takes time and there are intentional practices that we must engage in so that we can see it happen. Now, we can't talk about spiritual growth without also talking about the concepts of spiritual formation and discipleship. Within the last two decades, the topic of spiritual formation has become super popular within the Christian church. This popularity has increased the demand for more spiritual formation resources, teaching, and training. It has also called for a greater need to understand and clarify what spiritual formation truly is. Now, historically, the term spiritual formation was connected to the Roman Catholic Church. However, the way that they define spiritual formation differs from the way that we define it in the Protestant Church. In the Roman Catholic Church, spiritual formation deals with the training of ministers to do full-time ministry in the academic setting alongside spiritual disciplines such as prayer and fasting. But in the Protestant Church, there is no uniform way to define what spiritual formation is. However, the Council of Christian Colleges and Universities, CCCU, has defined spiritual formation as the biblically guided process in which people are being transformed into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit within the faith community in order to love and serve God and others. So the key thing to keep in mind here is that spiritual formation is about being transformed into the likeness of Christ. The primary verse used to describe the spiritual formation process is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, which says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This being transformed into the image of Christ is important in recovering the image of God within humanity. So when we talk about the Imago Dei, which is a Latin term that means image of God, that concept was first introduced in the book of Genesis. 
So Genesis chapter one, verses 26 to 27 says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. So due to the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God's image was perverted in a sense. But scripture tells us that Jesus Christ is the second Adam in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 44 and Romans 5, 14. God sent Jesus Christ not only to restore us from sin and reconcile us back to God, but because he was perfect and sinless, he also restored God's original image in humanity as well. Overall spiritual formation, as outlined by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, is a process that transforms us into the likeness of Christ to restore God's glory in all of creation. And as we behold God's glory through Christ, we are changed into his likeness from glory to glory. So now we're going to talk about discipleship. So when we consider the mission of the Christian church in Matthew 28, Jesus says that believers are to go out and make disciples of all nations. This is what we call the Great Commission. And because Jesus commanded disciple-making is something that the church has to embrace today as well. The Greek term disciple used in the New Testament means to learn. Generally speaking, according to Barna, the term used for disciple refers to someone who is a learner or follower who serves as an apprentice under the tutelage of a master or to learn from and follow Christ through complete obedience. It demonstrates spiritual formation in terms of character and service. The term discipleship is not directly used in the Bible, but the concept is mentioned throughout scripture, especially in the four gospel accounts. Jesus personally chose and walked closely with a group of 12 disciples, and they witnessed all that he did throughout his earthly ministry. Their training was not only spiritual, but it was also practical in nature. Jesus deliberately took them through a training process for about three years because he understood that someday he would not be present with them. He needed to ensure that they understood the things of the faith so that while he was gone, they will remain strong in their faith and they could also train others in the way of faith as well. Jesus did not train them to prepare for an occupation per se, but rather a lifestyle that we be centered in him. So if we're going to define discipleship, it is the intentional training that believers go through as they submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so that they might become more like him in all that they do. Discipleship leads to complete wholeness and transformation. Now that we understand what spiritual formation and discipleship are, as I mentioned earlier, at some point, we as believers have to consider if we're actually maturing in our faith. Here are four ways to know if you're maturing in Christ. First, you are a doer of the word. James 1 verses 21 to 24 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. By definition, obedience is compliance with an order, request, or law, or submission to another's authority. James compares a person who only listens to God's word but doesn't do it to looking at yourself in the mirror. We can read the Bible, study, listen to the word of God all we want, but if we are not applying God's word in our life, through obedience and submission in our everyday thoughts and actions, we're just wasting our time. And that's the harsh truth. Obedience to Christ as Lord is not easy, but we have to make the intentional decision day by day to follow and obey Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. Second, you are no longer a slave to sin. 
Romans 6, 5 through 7 says, since we have been unified with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Jesus Christ came, died, and resurrected so that we could be freed from the power of sin in our lives. As we mature in Christ, those things that once held us captive to sin should no longer bind us. To say that someone is a slave to sin is to say that they are in subjection to it. It means that they've given themselves up completely to it. It has complete control and power over them. But the day that we decided to give our life to Christ is a day that sin no longer had that type of power over us. And because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we have the power to resist sin. The enemy and our sinful desires will try to entice us, but now we're not enslaved by it. The more we walk with God and live according to his word, the stronger we'll grow in our faith and we'll be able to stand in strength against any temptations that may come our way. The third thing is that your mind has changed. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When you begin to think about how change or growth happens, you'll notice that it always starts inwardly before you can see it outwardly. Spiritual growth and transformation inwardly happens when we begin to renew our minds. It's a heart thing. It's a mind thing. The term renew used in Romans 12.2 means to renovate or completely change for the better. So God wants us to renovate our minds. He wants us to change the way we think for the better. To be of the world means that you follow the thinking patterns of the world. But if you are in Christ, this type of thinking and living can no longer coincide with the ways of God because we know that we now have the mind of Christ, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16. And lastly, you bear spiritual fruit. Matthew 7.15-20 says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Now in context, Jesus is speaking about false prophets and warning us that we'll be able to recognize if a prophet is truly of God just by observing their fruit. In the Bible in general, fruit can be described as those characteristics or behaviors that Christians possess as a result of living in the Spirit. Just as we can recognize a false prophet by their fruit, we should also be able to recognize a true believer by their fruit as well. Galatians 5:22-23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things, there is no law. As you continue to grow in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in your life. Your lifestyle should testify about you. Overall, spiritual maturity happens over time, and everyone will grow at a different pace. But it's our job to make sure we're being intentional about doing the things that will lead to our growth in Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 9-10, through 10, the Apostle Paul says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. 
And this is my exact prayer for you and I, that we will come to the knowledge of God's will for us, that he will grant us with wisdom and understanding to live a life that is pleasing to him, a life that produces fruit. And as we continue to grow and get to know him more and more, we'll become more like Christ day by day. And you've made it to the end of the episode. I'm so appreciative of you guys. And thank you for tuning in once again to the Study Faithfully podcast. And of course, if you have any questions, if you have any prayer requests, if you just want to talk to me, whatever the case may be, you can always reach out to us on social media at Study Faithfully. And you can also email us at hello at studyfaithfully.com. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you here next week. Thank you.